Today is Wednesday, December 28th. The title for our devotional is God with Israel. Remember, this week we're looking at the two names of the child from Matthew's birth narrative. One is Jesus, and the second is Emmanuel. Matthew 1, 22-23, we read, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God, with us. The angel here is quoting Isaiah 7:14 and explains the meaning of the word, which is God with us. When I preached on this text a couple of weeks ago, I briefly explained how this theme can be traced through all of Scripture. The rest of this text we will look at uh, more in detail throughout the week. But for today, let's look at the big picture. On a fundamental level, God is holy and we humans are not. We are sinful by nature and our sin separates us from God. What is unholy cannot be in the presence of what is holy. So we are faced with a dilemma. How can we be in the presence of God if we are unholy and God is holy? It's been the dilemma of all human history. We are made holy, that is, by the atonement, which is a term that implies a sacrifice made in order to reconcile relationship. We discussed on Monday how God removes our sin through faith in Jesus and his atoning work on the cross. Prior to, the, prior to this, however, we must recognize the simple reality that God accomplishes atonement for humanity by coming to be with humanity. God would have been completely justified in leaving humanity trapped in sin, stuck as a victim of our own sinfulness. Yet in his grace and mercy, he comes to dwell with humanity to give them a means of atonement so that we can be in the presence of God. He takes the initiative in this, not humans. This is the grace and mercy of God on full display. The big story of scripture is that humans enjoyed the fullness of God's presence at first in Genesis 1-2 through in the garden. When they sinned, they were then banished from the full presence of God. At this point, again, God would have been completely justified in keeping his presence distant and allowing humans to lie in the bed of sin and destruction that they had made. Yet he chooses Abraham. He makes a covenant with him in Genesis chapter 12. He makes further covenants with Abraham's descendants, most notably Moses, and remains faithful to that covenant in spite of his descendants' constant failing to live up to the terms of the covenant. In the law of Moses, God reveals his righteous standard of moral living. Knowing that the people will not live up to those standards, he also gives them a means of atonement, the system of sacrifice and offering. Again, at the heart of all of this is God's presence with his people, first through the cloud and pillar of fire leading them out of Egypt, and later in the Ark of the Covenant which rested in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. Of course, God's presence wasn't truly confined to the temple. It was a symbol of his presence and his favor on his people. God's presence fills all of creation, right? This was the source of Israel's strength and identity. As the people who bore the name of Yahweh, they enjoyed special proximity to his presence. The loss of God's presence, then, was the worst possible outcome for the people of Israel. David, in his prayer of repentance after sinning against Bathsheba and Uriah, prays, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, in Psalm 51.11. On a macro scale, after failing for generations to live up to the covenant stipulations of the law, God removes his presence from the temple and sends the people of Israel into exile, as prophesied of in Ezekiel 10. Exile is the ultimate symbol of losing God's presence. They're in a foreign land. They're in captivity. They are far from the presence of God, or so they think. In spite of the exile, God is still with them, as the stories of Nehemiah, Ezra, Ruth, and Daniel represent. Also, God promises to be faithful to Israel after the punishment of exile and to bring them back to the promised land. You can read about that in Ezekiel 11. In spite of his anger and punishment, God will never abandon his people. As Moses says in Deuteronomy 
31, 6 through 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Reflection time today. Reflect on the promise that Moses gave to God's people of Israel before entering the promised land. There are many causes for anxiety, and Moses' primary assurance to them is that God is with them and he will never leave them. This promise holds true for Jesus' followers today as the people of God, for Jesus promises in Matthew 28 that he will be with us to the very end of the age. Think of a time when you were distraught, perhaps at the loss of a loved one, or the loss of a job, or an illness. How comforting was another's presence? Even when there were no words of comfort, how did you find comfort in the presence of someone else just being there for you? How comforting then is it to know that God is always with you, even in the moments of distress.